by any of the 152 Houston area O'Reilly Auto Parts stores, where you'll find everyday low prices on the parts you need to keep your vehicle at its best. Our guaranteed low prices ensure you're always getting our best deal. In fact, we'll match any auto parts store's price on any like item. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Mission Unstoppable. Mission Unstoppable. The unstoppable ones. You did say unstoppable, right? You did say unstoppable, right? What is it they know that I don't? Coach Frankie Picasso takes you on the Mission Unstoppable. Anyone stop these people? I love it. Good evening. I am the unstoppable Frankie Picasso, and tonight you are about to go on another Mission Unstoppable. My guest this evening may have gone from dressing like a hillbilly to wearing Prada, but she's never forgotten her roots, and she likes to keep it honest, real honest. What you see is what you get. From garbage bags to Louis Vuitton carry-ons, Luann Mitchell-Halter is the former beauty queen who dared to dream big dreams. I doubt Luann could ever have foreseen how her life would unfold, but I imagine she wouldn't have it any other way. So stay tuned, stay close, because you're not going to miss a, you won't want to miss a moment with Luann Mitchell-Halter. This is the unstoppable Frankie Picasso having trouble speaking to you this evening. If you're listening to us on Tuesday, April the 20th at 8 p.m. Eastern, then you have tuned in to the live version of the show. Feel free to participate by calling in at 646-595-3741. Also, please join us in the chat room, which is now open. And if you're listening to the archive version, thank you for downloading it. And feel free to contact me if you need more information at frankie at missionunstoppable.com. I'd like to take a moment here to thank the good folks here at Blog Talk Radio for allowing me to broadcast over their network, and I especially like to thank you, all of you who tune in each and every week. As I said, my guest this evening is Luann Mitchell-Halter. She's an international author, sought-after speaker, motivational movie star, philanthropist, wife, mother to four, grandmother. She's also known as the impossible dreamer. She's the girl who went from the wrong side of the tracks from being Miss Saskatchewan to becoming one of the 40 leading women entrepreneurs in the world. Thrice, she was named Canada's Female Business Owner of the Year. She's a former chairwoman of Mitchell's Gourmet Foods. Today, she reaches millions globally as a popular host of Millionaire Mentor on Voice America Internet Radio. Luann's story will have you cheering for her. She will inspire and motivate you, not only because she sustained much heartache, cruelty, and personal tragedy, but because she has overcome it with an indomitable spirit, down-to-earth honesty, and an abiding desire to find the good in every bad situation. So please welcome Luann Mitchell-Halter. Good evening, Luann. How are you? Great, Frankie. Thank you so much. It's just really been a joy to be on here. I was crossing off my calendar like waiting for a holiday until <laughs> that is so great you know you you've been billed as 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 the white Oprah, and, and i kind of jokingly said in, in some of the um promos that i did that the that the white Oprah goes black now you've gone from blonde to black hair what oh yeah but, uh, but you can't see me right now so so you know that was a phase um i did that i was reinventing myself uh post-divorce and so now it's, there's no more halter on the end of my name. Oh, so you're kidding. I'm not up on the news. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no, don't be. You know, sometimes people just grow apart, and um, it's all good. I mean, I was widowed and um, left with three children, and like you alluded to earlier, um, you know, we were in pretty dire straits. And, and so um, I made moves in my life uh, as a widow with three little kids, but... As luck would have it, you know, everybody still dreams that maybe they'll meet someone and, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe revisit that adventure in their life, or certainly I did. And I did um, for a while. Um, I didn't date for three years after my husband died, but when I did, I ended up remarrying um, a year after I started dating this guy, and it just it just was two different people. We're from very, very different worlds, and so we just blessed each other and, and went our own ways. And Oh, so, wow. So I made my hair black because it was just like, I just felt like it, you know, and then it looked good, and it looked yeah, good. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It yeah. was very cool. It's a different look, and you have to change your makeup. You have to change everything, there you don't go. you? 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, okay. I could wear makeup shades I couldn't wear before, like red lipsticks and stuff I didn't wear before because I didn't really suit me. But now, you haven't seen me, but as of a week ago, oh, um, that phase is over. Yep, my new book is titled Back in Black, and so I got that whole phase done. I got that photo done and everything for that. And now um, I'm back to... Um, to sort of a chestnut brunette with blonde highlights. Nice. So here we go. I yeah, think, you know, I, no, I, I do think it looks the best on you. <laughs> thank you. I, you know, thank you. I, I really, um, I'm comfortable in my skin. It took a while, yeah. but I really am, and I, uh, I love all those aspects of myself, and I know that, um, you know, there's no one in the world who's just, um, you know, that one tunnel vision person. We've got a few different aspects to ourselves. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we need to have fun, and, and certainly it's it's fun to be a girl, so why not have some fun with our it's hair? It's definitely and our, fun to have look. a girl. Yeah. yeah. Your first um, book, in, in fact, your first book was called Paper Doll, Lessons from a Life Lived in the Headlines. And I thought, wow, that's kind of funny because my book that that hasn't come out yet that I've been writing for the last two years, one has come out, but this particular book was, was called Broken Doll. And, yeah. and so your book has been re-released now uh, by Executive Books, in, you know, retitled as Leadership Lessons Learned by the Impossible Dreamer. Right. Now, did they think that that would just have more appeal? Um, you know, in a way, yes. Although, i got to tell you that it's so interesting to me because I feel um, it just uh, there's a seed for good in all of it, you know. And uh, sometimes when I'm journeying, I don't, I don't remember that. But it's really, really true. And I always remind myself of that, even if something appears one way, that, that it, you know, this too shall pass, but it also is preparing me. So... Um, it, that's just really, really helped me to to be able to tackle things and to keep the face sometimes when you want to throw in the towel. I absolutely love this book. I, you know, I, I get books every week. I, have, I interview people every week. I read a lot of books, and I mm. couldn't put this book down. Oh, you thank have you. a great voice, and I really loved the way you planned it around the, you know, your your three rules. Let's say, yeah, the, the, yeah. your three rules um, for for life. Really? Yeah. For, for, for goal setting. Can you share those with us? You bet. Um, you know, I just, I broke down each thing that I was sort of journeying through and I, and I thought, how am I tackling this? You know, and I, I sort of became a bit introspective and because I, I was overcoming and going in and people were asking me and I thought, gosh, I should really take a peek at this. And I mean, there I was on the cover of Profit Magazine, um, you know, and being named Canada's number one businesswoman and, and all these things, and I thought, gosh, how did I do this? Like, really, I mean, it's, yeah, really, I, I, people would walk by me, and, and I would have been the most unlikely candidate. I mean, I, I barely finished high school, and I end up the only Canadian sitting on the Harvard Women's Leadership Board. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I'm doing something right here, and i got to figure it out because I want to help other people, and I want to really learn more about myself and how I operate. And so I began to write down. I looked, and I broke it into three real simple things. One thing I always did is I made a plan that could get me closer to my dream. Not make it come true necessarily, mm-hmm. but, but put me in the direction of that dream. So a plan to get me closer to my dream. And then I, I broke my life into literal chapters. And I looked at each section of my life and, and how I did that. And my second, what I call it rule, that, or lesson, tackle that I did when I was journeying through everything, is I, I was really following my instincts. And sometimes yeah. when I didn't, inevitably, I would end up, you know, going retreating backwards and then not be going closer to my dream anymore. So when I followed my instincts, so first of all, my, I wrote a plan to get me closer to my dream. Second of all, I'd take a look at if I was following my instincts. And then thirdly, I'd look for what we just talked about earlier, that seed for good mm-hmm. in everything, in absolutely everything. So with that, I found that I could really – gain a lifelong determination to to really be able to support myself, to put myself first, and that that wasn't selfish. And maybe shut off some old, what we call tapes in our head. Some oh, of the, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, you know, whoever said it, could be our mom, could be our auntie, could be just someone we love, could be a sister, brother, whatever. They, they just say, you know, oh, you're being selfish. You shouldn't think of yourself. And I wanted to undo that. I wanted to think of myself. I wanted to see how I thought and what I was and, doing. Yeah. And, you know, and I wanted to I wanted to improve on that, and so I just followed those three rules all the way through. And when I broke down these sections of my life, and I looked at those three things all the time, it was just shocking to me what I found out that I was doing. Well, you know, I have to I have to um, acknowledge you for that because 
it is very hard sometimes for people to, you know, for, for me, it's really hard to do the behavioral interview thing. You know, like, yeah. I, how do you do that? Oh, gee, it's, it's so easy to do, and yet it's so hard to break down. And, and so that, that was really well done on that part. The other part I want to acknowledge you for is using your instincts, because I'm a huge believer in, in that. As a matter of fact, I will trust my gut over content anytime. You know, right. so, so, and, and that's something that I really want women to learn to do. And, and so hopefully they'll listen to that advice. Um, because it's really good advice. (laughs) And I I, I just want to give them, yeah, I want to give them a little sense of your history, though, because they haven't read the book, and some people haven't heard your, and I know that you've said this a thousand times, but you're going to probably say it a thousand more times. So if we could just go, you know, go back to Luann, who was called Ellie Mae. Let's let's go back to that time Mm, in your mm -hmm. life and and tell folks, you know, because you're this confident, wonderful woman, you're on every board, you're, you know, you're you're chairperson, you're, I mean, gosh, like, there isn't anything that you're not involved in. So let's just go back and see how, how Luann evolved. Luann with a L-U capital A-N. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was kind of that little rebel part of me. Yeah. Um, and in my, actually in my next book, which is titled Back in Black, Celebrating the Dark Side of Success, I, I talk about our inner rebel. And, you know, we hear of our inner child and our inner teen and all of that, but but I recognize that I have an inner rebel. And that girl who was called Ellie Mae, um, that was a big part of when that came to life for me. And when I really started to, to recognize that I could go through my life kicking and screaming mm-hmm. or I could start to tap into that little rebel inside of me and I could use that power. So, I mean, I was a late bloomer. Um, when I was in the 10th grade, uh, and I, I lived in Saskatchewan, born and raised there, my father was a school teacher, um, I ended up really um, going through a lot of ridicule. I was very athletic, but I didn't, you know, get boobs or, or, <laughs> or yeah. you know, sort of that girly girl look. And I thought, wow, I mean... Well, you got them um, now. <laughs> yeah, I got them now. But, you know, it took a, a pretty good cosmic two-by-four between the eyes uh, to, to to have them pop out, so to speak. Um, I, I ended up just sort of going through the phases of sitting by my locker and not being really popular but being, you know, a cheerleader, but I didn't wear makeup. Always sort of like this dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that inner rebel. So although, you know, I could be considered attractive enough, I was – I was Ellie Mae-esque, let's call that a word, um, in that I was just, you know, the other girls, they had their blush, they had their, you know, uh, mascara, they had their makeup, they had the pretty prom dresses, all that sort of thing. And I was just in, in overalls and a T-shirt, kind of a country girl, but very, very athletic, competitive gymnast, um, stuck to that discipline, you know. No, wait, can I just student. stop you there for a second? Now, were you, were you wearing these clothes because that's what your family could afford, or is that because what you wanted to wear? You know, yes and no. Um, my mother, um, oh, yeah, I, I was girls from rural. You had come to the house, didn't you? You had some girls from your yes. school come to the house and go, hey, you know, yes. you better, your daughter needs to dress or somebody's going to beat her up. <laughs> right, because we we moved from rural Saskatchewan. My dad had Alzheimer's disease, and we moved to the big city of Saskatoon. And, you know, Ooh, I was about yeah. 250,000 people. And what, they put me in this Catholic school. And so I was still in my sort of called them my rural roots. And um, my mom, these girls, like there were gangs in this school. I, I'd never seen girls in a Dang, gang before. That's one, like wow. That. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, it was big for me. And so they, this one girl was poking me in the back and, and threatening to, you know, sort of take my life out after school. And so these other two girls befriended me, and they came to me. I said to my mother, you just got to give us some money and let, get Luann some clothes. Like she, she looks like... You know, just this farm girl hick, and somebody's going to take her out in the city. And my mother said, Did your mom understand that? No, she said, what's wrong with her clothes? No. And not that we were wealthy, but we were just Mm -hmm. real simple folk from the rural end of the the world. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was the last born of five kids in my parents' equation, and there was 19 years between their first child and me. (gasps) Wow. So you really had two moms. (laughs) <laughs> big time, big time. And my my mom and dad were grandparents when I came along. So so and then again my mom was caregiving my father who had Alzheimer's. Yeah, so there was a lot of strange 
dynamics in my home, but, but no, you know, you, a lot you, of love. But, oh, no. man, I'm going to jump because you just said something, and I have to ask it before I forget to ask that question. Sure. But, but sure. you really care gave to your husband, um, Fred yes. Mitchell. Did you learn that from your mom? You know, how sweet of you to ask me that. It's so funny because I decided I was going to be a career woman, mm-hmm. and I look at my um, – I look at my my mom caregiving my dad, and I thought, well, that's one job I never want. And <laughs> saying, be very careful what you think of, I because know. you can manifest that these are the laws of attraction. It's I would true. look at my mother, and I would just cringe, and I would see her nursing my father, and I would try to help her in any way I could, but I thought, wow, one day I'm going to be with a man, he's going to be healthy, and he's going to, you know, that just some hero out of the, the fairy tales. And I'm just, I'm not going to ever end up like that, caregiving, you know, some person who's who's just that far gone. And boom, bongo, I end up meeting a beautiful man, but here he has cystic fibrosis. And uh, it was a horrible disease that required me to caregive him, but I wouldn't have left him for the world. He was uh, the greatest gift in my life. Wow. Now, you started off, um, who, who got you interested in, in the beauty pageant? Oh, that's a great, great question. Well, so I, in my senior year in high school, like I said, I didn't go out much, and, you know, they call me Ellie Mae and all of that. Um, well, I finally, um, I did start to go out with a guy, and a friend of mine and, and myself went to a, a fair that was a traveling fair that had come to the city. And, I um, mean, you know, it was a throw the darts at the balloon kind of thing. Mm-hmm. started dating one of the guys, and he actually stayed behind. <clears throat> and then, lo and behold, you wouldn't believe this, but uh, several months into it, he never left with the fair. He stayed back, um, and I was still a virgin. He, um, you know, with, you know the old line about the other girls will. Yeah, and yeah. Um, we had yeah a little bit to drink with some beer. And, um, and then, you know, put my guard down, and I had a date rape. Uh, it was pretty brutal. Wow. And... Um, yeah, by the time like that was all, pardon me. Yeah, yeah. Wow. By the time that was all said and done, I um I I was pretty much um, a mess. And um if that wasn't bad enough, you know, a lot of teens they don't really understand. The first thing people would ask me is what did you wear? Yeah. I you know. That. Yeah, this was like the late 70s, um yeah. coming into early 80s. And I was like, "What?" And anyway, um it, just a matter of weeks later, I found out I was pregnant as well from that. So like, let's, let's talk about that point just for a second because sure. I think it's really important. You know, I, I remember being 14 years old and, and I went to my guitar lesson and I knew that 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 you know my teacher was like this pedophile and I would mm. I would go in overalls and he would still try to touch my boobs. You know, wow. So it, like, it's nothing. It's nothing to do with what you wear. Let's just get that. No, out. for sure. And you know, Frankie, God bless you for saying that. And let me tell you something: the universe is just shining light on all of us who are speaking candidly these days. Um, my this in San Diego, beautiful San Diego, California, on June the third, which happens to be the day that I delivered the baby from that circumstance, just oh, yeah. coincidentally. Um, and, and it actually went all across Canada, newspaper articles, uh, because 27 years later I was reunited with that daughter. I kept her for five months. I could not uh, make the ends meet, and I placed her for adoption at five months. And 27 years later we reconnected. The Isn't story was picked up. Yeah, yeah. And and so it went literally right across Canada, and, and it touched a lot of people's lives because she's a very, very, very valuable part of this world. And plus... She's uh, married and has a little son, which makes me a grandma, which is kind of neat. A young grandma. Some of my friends are just having their first babies, and I'm like, wow, I can, you know, at least hug him and and give him back to mommy. Yeah, (laughs) I'm waiting for that. uh, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, you know, sort of like my turn. But I, I came to the place where I go... What what exactly does this mean? Because in San Diego, a young woman has started a nonprofit, and I'm so proud of her. Her name is Jennifer, and her nonprofit is called Genes for Justice. Because there was a court ruling in um, in Italy where a woman had pressed charges against a man um, for rape, but in in the court case, the judge decided that she was wearing blue jeans. Mm-hmm. And that it would just take too long to get blue jeans off and rape a woman, so they threw it out of court. Get out! Honest to gosh! Oh so my they, gosh! She's, 
Yep, she started. If she'd worn this. a dress, she would have been raped, and if she'd worn jeans, she wasn't raped. And I mean, I right. talk about excuses. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So she it started this nonprofit, Jeans for Justice, in San Diego, and I'm going to be her keynote speaker. Oh, and great! It just, yeah, happened to be June 3rd, which is my daughter's birthday. Um, we'll be 32 this year. Go figure. Um, but anyway, I'm just like, wow, this is just, just, just amazing. So I'm grateful for for all of us just speaking candidly and and putting hands out to each other and and loving and forgiving and. And being bigger than than what maybe some people have been told that's all that their worth is because they're worthy and these things help to prepare us. Um, they didn't. They can't hold us back unless we let them. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it's 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 great that we can. You know, I love being able to talk. That's that's what's so great about internet radio. You can talk candidly. You can say whatever you want and for you're sure. not gonna get in trouble. Yeah, yeah so exactly. That's, yeah, that's good. And you you that is the one thing that you have done throughout your book is is you did. Speak candidly, and and you know, kudos to you because you, you know you shared everything, good, bad, ugly. Um, that's that's fantastic, and you know that's the only way that people can learn. They think that a lot of times people think they're the only ones, and you know yeah. you've just shown us that no, they're not the only ones. You got pregnant, you know, you were young, you had your yeah. child, and and interestingly, you were reunited with her like unbelievably. You know, yeah. the, the the universe is is pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah, good one. And and the cool thing is, though, after that pregnancy and birthing a child um, at 16, um, I just turned 17, I uh, my body dimensions changed. So that's why we got into that long, convoluted story, and you were very sweet to let me um, rattle on. But that's why people came up to me then after that. They weren't calling me Ellie Mae anymore. They were saying, oh, my gosh, Luann, you should go in Playboy or you should enter a beauty pageant. And I'm like, wow, this is really something, how people talk to you differently just mm-hmm. the way that your body looks, you know, I know. as a girl. Yeah. Yeah, that's something, isn't it? Unfortunately, fortunately, you know, in some cases, but mostly unfortunately, I think. I agree you know, with that. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Because, you know, I said in the beginning that, you, you know, you are as, as beautiful inside as you are outside, and that's going to show throughout this interview for sure. Um, it helps to be attractive, I'm sure. It, it opens doors. It, You know, people let down their guard. Uh, there's yeah. no two ways about it, but um, it's unfortunate that, that so much good could be done by people who, you know, are discounted because of the, the lack of beauty. Yeah, yeah. Fair, yeah, very fair. Totally. But having said that, look where you got. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so okay, so you entered you entered the the beauty contest. You became Miss Saskatchewan. And yeah. We're trying and to go to Canada. Big city of Toronto as like a life dream come true for a little girl like me. Um, and um, I'll never forget, you know, flying on that plane to Toronto with my white silk blouse and and having this banner across, you know, my my top and people are like looking at me as like miss this and I'm like, whoa. Um and I just thought this is just unbelievable. But you know what, Frankie, there was a question on the um application when I um won my region I and love the it. application yeah. Before, yeah, Miss Canada, the question was, have you ever birthed a live child? Oh, you're kidding. Uh-uh, and I thought, wow, because apparently, you know, those who represent any country in the world and go on to the Miss Universe pageant owned by Mr. Trump, um, they have to meet the criteria that are set at, at Miss Universe. And so had I had an abortion or had I given birth to a dead child, I would have been an appropriate representative of my country to go on to Miss Universe. But because I gave birth to a healthy child, yeah. suddenly that made me an inappropriate candidate. Oh. So I, yeah, I resented that. And that little inner rebel that we talked about, she she kind of came out to play. And um, so I, I wrote no there. I lied. But I thought it was none of their business. That's right. It isn't any of their business. Yeah, but then when I got to Toronto and I was actually doing really well in the pageant, I got to thinking, damn, what if I win this thing 
and then they find out I actually gave birth to a live child, and then the media publicly scrutinizes me and then humiliates yeah. my family again, right? Yeah. And so and I was young and naive, and so I started to self-sabotage myself. And I talked to people about self-sabotage and how we must guard against that because sometimes we do it unconsciously. But I did it consciously. I lit a cigarette. Okay. And everything else okay. I could do. Yeah. Well, your mom had said when you when when your mom found out about the pregnancy, she said, "Oh my God, your your life is over." Yeah. And, she and said, your you, life you, was just beginning. Like, right <laughs> how on. Little did she know what, ah, what was right happen. But what I loved was when you were in the pageant and you had to do the talent because you couldn't sing or dance. You came up with a really unusual and fantastic mm-hmm. talent mm-hmm. portion that that they totally didn't get. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, some of us have, and I think it's the majority. As a matter of fact, I know it is just uh, by people who tell me. We have these little old memories that that repeat themselves in our in our mind and in our heart sometimes, maybe even in our very spirit, and and they can really bring us down. And so, I'm at this place in in my life now, and I, I had to come to it then where my mom's voice, a lover like I did, um, she was her own generation, mm-hmm. and she wasn't me and she wasn't my truth, but I had embraced some of the things she said as though they were my truth. Mm-hmm. Now, she said to me, after I found out I was pregnant and I told her, she said, well, now you've done it, you've ruined your life. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I did, so I became suicidal. Wow. And I, I, as a mom, I, I really, really became very cognizant of that, of what I say to my own children, because I, I realized how long my mother's voice went on in my head and how, how much I embraced that as a truth. It took a lot to shake it off and go on and build a life um, without her dictation, um, because, you know, all of us on some level, I think we want to please our parents, you know, and... We do. We're so disappointed, do. yeah. And, yeah. I, and I thought, jeepers, as opposed to just giving me a hug and saying, "Don't worry, Lou, we'll help you yeah. through this, and we're going to." Well, you know, I, I talk when, when I talk to clients, and you know, in, with coaching in regards to to that point, I always ask yeah. people to to question their beliefs because our our minds lie to us. So, you know, if you if you're afraid of something, question it. Say, is that my fear? Like, do I am I really afraid of spiders? Am I really afraid of this? Or, or was that a parent or a, a teacher or sister, sibling, whatever? You know, who 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 is really afraid of this, or who whose idea or thought is really this? And I think it really helps to start to question your beliefs, um, because people often find that those aren't their beliefs; they, right. they belong to somebody else. So it's yeah, that's it's critical. Really, it's critical for us to define that. Talk about a defining moment. Yeah, and and yeah. and talk about a liberating moment when we when we can release that with love. Because some people they're even well-meaning when they bring that forward, but truthfully. Um, it may not be our truth, and we may be holding on to something that's really holding us back or going through our lives kicking and screaming. Yeah, which is and, really and sometimes we call them um, UACs, underlying automatic commitments. So they're commitments, mm-hmm. but they're, they're underlying and they're inside. You don't even realize, you know, the patterns and the behavior because sure. it's so innate to you. So, you know, I say life's an inside job, and it really is, and you've done a really great job of, of you know, finding out who you are. And, and releasing and moving forward. So let, let's just go back to you had this this guy Freddie Mitchell who who uh-huh. you know hot shot who thought oh this is a gorgeous beauty queen I'm going to get her and yeah. and you you had gone for um, a loan because you had a, a business that you were starting. Yeah, yeah, I did. I went into um, to a lending institution, a bank. And my knees were knocking, but. As I say, I had placed my daughter for adoption, and so now I was attending night classes at the university, studying literature and day classes in broadcasting. And um, I was writing a column on the beauty industry, which was where I ultimately thought I'd I'd end up. Um, And I was uh, researching different things, and I I wanted to open a spa, a modeling school, and a, uh, a hair salon. And um, and I was also filming a television show. Uh, at a local Shaw cable network, and I um, was volunteering for that so I could have hands-on training and um, hosting a a radio call-in show on two FM stations and all around the beauty industry. 
so doing investigative reporting, etc. And I was on my way to to really um, angling in for that, and I thought, oh, I'm going to have to get a loan. I needed $20,000, and that's what sort of my estimate was that could get me up and running. Um, and I'll be darned, I, I went into the bank, and it, I didn't have any really uh, formal business training or anything like that, but um, this was the first lending institution I went into as well, and I put my little business suit on and my my hair in a French roll, and I sat there, and, and they – they had said, and of course I, they had seen me in the beauty pageant and in the Miss Canada and all of that. And I said to them, I really need to go teach this. I want to teach self-esteem and, you know, turn around on this and that and the other thing. And they said, how much do you want? I said, 20000 And they said, wow, that's a lot of money. I said, yes, it is. Uh, this was now the early 80s. But uh, I, I've got a business plan. I'm going to be able to turn it around. It was quite a sloppy business plan now, and I look back on it. But <laughs> it's kind of a giggle. I don't. I think they'd have laughed me out the door if I tried that stunt today. But uh, I was recognized, and they had some respect for me, and they had um, really admired. Uh, they did not know I had had a child, of course, because that wasn't public knowledge. Uh, but they did see who I was, and and they saw obviously a light. Uh, yeah, that that illuminated uh, something for them because before the end of that day, the very same day, I got a call that they had uh, agreed to loan me the twenty thousand as a startup on this uh, new business I wanted to start, which I called Chez C H E Z Z, um, the French for home of, and my name Luann. All my friends called me L A because, as you said, I capitalized the L and the A, mm-hmm. uh, and there's just a U and an N. So it was Shea L.A. and then L.A. Models. And I started my company, and uh, and it was doing extremely well, and we were having a lot of fun. And just a young, progressive, new formula for self-esteem and uh, beauty works, et cetera. And, um, and then, boom, all of a sudden, I, I get with this man and... Uh, Fred and and we become very very good friends and two and a half years into it, um, he asks me to marry him, and I say yes as I was gonna move to Toronto I had a job offer in Toronto, but I never did, and uh, I married him and no I have to ask was, because 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 yeah. I, I got to stop you there just for a second because sure, it's so much sure. to your life, but when when Fred asked you out on that on that first date and he came with his mom. What did yeah. you think? What was your first <laughs> reaction? <laughs> I'm sure mine was a, <laughs> She was like, um, she was this uh, very European, and um, you know, talk about a diva. And so, like, she was sitting in the front seat with him, and we were going to this event, which was kind of funny. It was you had to dress up like, um, uh, okay, what could we say to this? Like, um. um it was like the Roaring Twenties. Oh, okay, so yeah, flapper style. Uh-huh, I was flapper style. He was a gangster, and his mother was just still in her finery. She has had this, you know, her hair all coiffed and and uh, just done into this really kind of cool way. So I am like, um, <clears throat> wow, alrighty. <laughs> I've been I pursuing you, and he seat. shows up with his yeah. mom. That <laughs> <laughs> was just bizarre. I was, uh, at the time... Uh, 23 years old, mm-hmm. and he was uh, 37. Oh, okay. Just coming wow. 38. Okay, so and his mom was, I think, in her 70s. Oh, was she? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you get the kind of the picture in your mind, yeah. but a real, um, a real um, aristocratic yeah, lady. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, now her father on. was Cameron Mitchell, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, the actor. Oh, yeah. The actor. Yeah. Okay. So I so I sit in the back of the car and and you know she begins to quiz me, and it was actually you know kind of interesting, but yet you know weird. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like you know they just picked me up at my apartment and then he was like, you know, um, and you could see he was a little bit uncomfortable. Was but, he protective of you at all? Um, the interrogation. He, he made light of it. Okay. I, it makes me wonder if it was the first time he'd ever done it. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. maybe this was a ritual for these two. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a <laughs> talk about a strange sort of menage a trois kind of thing that's gone in. Yeah. You know, into the family affair. But 
whatever. Uh, she was just, you know, cute. And today, just, like most sweet. women, <laughs> just look exactly. at her and go, anybody, you're 37 and your mom's on the date with us, I don't think so. <laughs> right on, right on. And so, and like, and, and it, again, me, and I'm 23. So I, I'm like, okay, this is this is cool. Now, this is a Canadian and, elite. This is a family, you know, that, yeah. that is part of yeah. history. Upper echelon, you Upper bet. echelon, yeah. Yeah, big time, big time. And so... And so I'm like, alrighty, um, cool. And and then we went to this event, and it was cute because some older gentleman came up and asked her to dance, and she just goes, no, no, I have two left feet. <laughs> I was like, that's a good one. Like, you know, she's quite cute. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, she yeah. had a cute sense of humor. And, and, and so then we were dancing and et cetera, et cetera. And I went back to um, my life, and, you know, he had his life, and, he had to go to L.A. affair, but he was born and raised in Los Angeles. And as you alluded to, his father was a movie actor. Yeah. Um, they had been divorced, but nonetheless, um, as a boy, that's where he had grown up. And his mother kept properties in Canada and Los Angeles. So um, when he asked me to marry him, um, he did so. And he also said, you can't tell anyone, and, um, and you, you need to sign a prenuptial agreement. And I'd never heard of such a thing. So yeah. I was like, I, I know it sounds corny to say that, but I, you know, I was just... Well, no, of- back then nobody would have heard of that. And, you know, I mean, last week on the Love Wrangler show, we, we talked about prenups, and, and I wish we really? could have got you on that show to talk about it, because it really reminded me of you and, and, and how, you know, you were asked to sign something and, and give, a, give away everything and yet not yeah. get, like, what for? Yeah, like, no, why? It, it, right on. Like, this one didn't say, like, if we split after... You know, so many years, there's X millions in it for you or anything. It just yeah. basically said, you're entitled to nothing, but your name's going to change if you marry him. Uh-huh. And um, so no lawyer would represent me. Yeah, no kidding. And I said, uh, they, they they all put their thumb squarely on their desktop. Yeah. I said, do you see this, Luann? And I'm like, yeah. They go, that's what they're trying to do to you. And I just laughed, and I go... I, you know, now what I made you love Fred guy. so much? What made you love him so much and trust him? Like, did you think in the <clears> end that that he would help, like, give you something? Did you think in the end that he would look after you? You know what's funny? I never thought about it. Like, I, you know, they talk about ignorance is bliss. Yeah. I, I, honest to gosh, I never thought about it. I mean, I come from my background is like simple farming people. Yeah. You know, like. They just, you know, it's like from one season to the next. I grew up around people like, oh, the crop this year is this or that. And I, and I, and so I was thinking about the weather. (laughs) Yeah, we, we, we never thought about, you know, anyone who would maybe have something that they would do such a thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, you know, I, I just, it was so foreign to me. So my sister, Judy, she went with me to all these lawyers. And after, you know, just being t- turned away again, I finally went to a lawyer in my hometown who knew um, this family. And he said to me, Luen, you really love him, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, I really love him. I'd like to marry him. And uh, But somebody's got to represent me because he, he's not going to marry me without this thing signed. And he go, and it's not negotiable. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, Luann, um, I know that it's his mom who wants it. And... Um, if you really want to be with him, I know you love him, and so I'll sign it. And he signed it, and that's why we got married. Now, why weren't you allowed to tell anybody you got married? <coughs> I, 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 no, not that, not that I got married. That oh, that you had he, the prenup. He asked me to marry him, and he oh. told me not to tell anyone because I said yes. It's in my little girl, schoolgirl mind. Sure. When someone said, "Would you want to marry me?" and I wanted to marry him. I said yes, but then he said, oh, well, you can't tell anybody, and, and, and he produced this prenuptial agreement. And he said, first we have to get this done, then we can tell people. Have you ever been married before? Yes. Okay. I was his second wife, and he, but he had been divorced for 10 years. But had the first wife taken a lot of, lot of money with her? I, I really don't know the answer to that. And, okay. and And at that point in his life, he didn't have any, so. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really have any when he was with me either. Because uh, it was all in a family trust because of a corporation. Which, but he was you know, at the time, though he was CEO or president of of the meat. That's package. correct. That's okay. correct. But he was the only one in the married. The mother and father were divorced. Yeah. The brother was not married, and the sister was not married. So he would be the only one. 
uh, that out of this family trust would be a married person, which would change his equation. Yeah, and you had you guys had like a real miracle happen because um, at that time he he got really sick with the cystic fibrosis, and you went back to yeah. the, to Stanford, and he yeah. was told that you couldn't have any children, and you yeah. defied those odds like three times. Yeah, as a matter of fact, as of today, April twentieth, so those odds were defied because um, two years into our marriage, um, I gave birth to a son today, April twentieth, twenty-two years happy ago. Birthday, Freddie! Uh, yeah, Jr. happy birthday to Freddie. <laughs> Freddie Jr. And uh, so, yeah, and then what we had had our name in for adoption for a lot of years, so now I would be on both ends of the adoption fence, having placed a child for adoption and now having um, possibly the ability to adopt a child. And a child did come available through adoption, and um, which was, you know, grueling. I'm just fast-tracking fast it here. Sure. Um, and I adopted a son um, one year after my husband, um, who became extremely ill, had a heart double lung transplant. So, um, phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah, another miracle. And three months later, post-transplant, um, I found out I was pregnant again, and I birthed a daughter. Now, you guys were living in Palm Springs at the time? Um, we moved to Palm, Palm Springs. We're living, he had his transplant in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And he opened up an affiliate company uh, for this food company that his family owned, in Los Angeles, and I just didn't want to live in Los Angeles with mm-hmm. little kids. I wanted mm-hmm. to live in a smaller area, so Palm Springs seemed like a perfect uh, choice. It's a great spot, yeah. Yeah. And and so, something. What happened that you lost the house and ended up living in a van? Mm-hmm. So one day, he came with home. With your dogs. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. We had a, a real nice house, but I didn't have any ownership in it. Um. Again, going back to these circumstances with the prenup and all of that, uh, we wanted to get a house in Palm Springs, but he brought me a piece of paper and he said, you got to sign this because we're going to get a mortgage through the company. And if the company pays it, um, it's got to be my sole and separate property. Uh, but once we pay it off, then you'll have part ownership. But in the meantime, it has to be only mine. And so I got pretty ticked off. Uh, I was pregnant at the time with our daughter, and I, I had a little baby boy and a, and a, and a toddler, uh, three-month-old, or three-year-old, rather. And I, I took my toddler, my three-year-old, by the hand, and uh, my pregnant self, and I, this was in Santa Monica, and I got in the elevator at this hotel, and I was um, on my way to find a woman's shelter, and I was going to leave him and just get my life in track and, and just figure something out, because I didn't want to live like that anymore, although the prenup... And everything. I mean, I was I was looking after a chronically ill man. I know. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. You're looking after a chronically ill man. You've got kids. Parked my career. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, okay, you can't have anything. Don't ask for anything. Yeah. Nothing is yours. Like, mm-hmm. I, it sounds so selfish. Mm-hmm. You know that the family would would you know they could see what you're doing for him. Meanwhile, yeah. at the same time, like you you created a save the planet board game because you know you're a real environmentalist. Because you know we're gonna I'm, I got 17 minutes. I'm going, geez, we haven't even talked about half the stuff that you've done with your life since then. <laughs> There's like so much to talk about. I you're know, absolutely it's, incredible. It's too much well, fun. Yeah, too much. But you, fun. you you created this this game and it could have gone somewhere, but you know now you have to go and look after him again. Yeah. So what I did is I. I uh, I was watching TV from the kitchen. I was making some lunch, and I had the TV set on in the living room, and you could see to the living room from the kitchen. And I had my little um, son in his high chair and um, my other kids, and it was there was this commercial on. It was one of the holiday seasons, and it was for a game called Surfside High. And it was like who had the coolest car, who had the coolest girlfriend, and the most money to spend at the mall, stuff like that. And I was like, what? What is wrong with this? I mean, mm-hmm. and, and I had to ask myself, well, look, if you want to change as a mom, you know, why doesn't it start with you? Mm-hmm. And so I started to think maybe I could invent a game. And my husband was sick in the hospital. His lungs were hemorrhaging now. Um, the doctors were basically telling us we don't know if he's going to live or die or what's going to happen. Things have gone wrong. And I was thinking, no, I'm going to make my little my little uh, play to do something better in the world, and it's going to be me. And I did a meditation. I'm quite a spiritual woman. And I, I did a meditation. I said, how can I serve? How can I serve the world? And, and it came to me that my husband needed a new heart and lungs, and the world, the planet, needed a new heart and lungs. Mm-hmm. And so I developed this game. The ideas just started coming to me, and I started writing them a game called Save the Planet. 
And then I, I was looking in the back of a magazine. I saw this little ad where if you think you have an idea and it's patentable, call us. And so I called this place called Impact Marketing. And when I did, they go, oh, my gosh, you got an idea. That's patentable. And so, you know, I, I began to cut out a prototype. I took it to the hospital, took his mind off of his illness, and we started playing this game. I researched all the cards in the libraries. And lo and behold, I developed and patented an environmental game called Save the Planet. And my holding company is called Save the Planet Holdings. And, um, and then I developed a secondary game for kids who couldn't read yet called uh, the Animal Earth Summit. And I, they, I was asked to be the voice for a group called Kids for Saving Earth. And they put my game into all the United World Colleges around the world, um, which is really cool because it's a that cooperative cool. play. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, a, I, have a, I have a name for you, and, and, and I used it. It's called an actionary, and it's a person who, who's a visionary oh. and, and acts on, on that vision. Me. Because I think every time you have a thought or an idea, you just, boom, you do it. You do it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You got me pegged. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And it was it's like, wow, great. that was such a gift because it took our mind off the illness. And then I, when I was waiting in the waiting room, there was a man sitting by me, and here I'm going, you know, over this game in the hospital, and this man sitting next to me in the waiting room, he goes, what is that? And I said, oh, it's an environmental game I developed and patented. And he goes, no kidding. He goes, do you know who I am? And I said, no. And he said, well, I'm Dennis Hayes. I am the the man who who put Earth Day on the map for this planet. And I'm like, no kidding. So then this guy, he was waiting for his wife. No kidding. It's like that vibrational thing. His wife was getting a heart double lung transplant as well at Stanford, just the same as my husband. Yeah. So then he played my game and loved it. The founder of Earth Day. Go figure. Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. So I got to go. I got to, we got to talk a little bit about um, your, I mean, you took over the company. She took over the company. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They never saw that coming. It's a great job. (laughs) <laughs> she became I top know. leader in the world. Okay, but but you also you also you know you're you're really big on volunteering and and, and philanthropy and and you've got um you know the climb the mountain and I have the tiger and 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 you and and thank God I am a woman and you also you also have a Fred Mitchell Memorial Scholarship Fund that you that you put together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so um, then you know fast forward to. Uh, a few years down the road, me and my husband are in and out of cardio rehab, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he had a lawsuit with his family. It lasted two and a half years over the company, and uh, it finally got settled out. And when it did, we it was the good news and the bad news. We ended up with one half of the company. It was the first time I ever owned anything with my husband. Um, it, the, the good news was we owned it together for the first time, but the bad news was it was completely bankrupt. So, <laughs> hey, guess what? We, got we own it, but there ain't no money. <laughs> yeah. So then he goes, um, oh, my God. And then he said to me, you know who you are, Luann? He goes, I've been observing you over the years. I go, no, I don't know. Who am I? He goes, you're the woman. You've been working with dietitians. You have a chronically ill husband. You've been working with food product. And he said, my God, you know, I've never once asked you how could we do this food product better? And I said to him, well, if you would have ever asked me, I would have told you because we can't use that food product on our dinner table because the sodium count's too high. You are on on specialized drugs, Imuran, Cyclosporin, Prednisone, big drugs, and even when you were pre-transplant, you couldn't eat that stuff. And although I like it, I, I limit it because I'm, you know, somewhat athletic. And, the, and for the kids, they're at different age groups and stuff. But I said it would be so fun to do a gourmet food line around everything that I've learned that prepared me while I've been caring for a chronically ill husband. And I've had to do specialty meals in our home as a mom and a wife. And he said, my God, he said, you are the ideal consumer. You're the woman we're target marketing. And he said, I've never even seen that in my own wife, in my own home. And so we started to work together and collaborate. And and I said, let's tackle this bankrupt company and let's go in there. And so we worked together. We were just beginning to do a turnaround. And he went in for a checkup. For a few years, we couldn't afford it. And and, because the lawyers locked up everything during his lawsuits, and we lost everything that we had. Um, and so we were rebuilding literally from below the, the, the beginning. And when we went in, he said, oh, my gosh, I, you know, I just got this checkup. And when he went in for his checkup, something went wrong, and he never came out. He died. Wow. And, 
And I'm like, I can't believe this happened. How old were you? uh, I was 36. Wow. And our kids, the oldest son was now 10. The youngest son was 7. And our daughter was 6. And uh, and I, I had to go home and tell three little kids that their daddy died and I couldn't pay our mortgage. He he had medical bills that were off the planet that I couldn't yeah. pay. And the company was still um in soft receivership and uh and they had just called our line of credit for thirty three million and so I had no line of credit. And I was like, Oh my god And so people came up to me and you know, I wanted to go into mourning but I couldn't so yeah. the kids and I sat around the dinner table, and I said, kids, when we gathered ourselves up, Daddy, what would Daddy have us do? And my kids said, you know, Mom, Daddy would have us do something for other people, and especially the youth at risk. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, you're right, kids. And, and so what we did is we appealed in his obituary for people to make a donation to something we call the Fred Mitchell Memorial Scholarship for Youth at Risk. Um, girls, you know, similar to me in my circumstances, mm-hmm. start, my life starting out as a pregnant teenage runaway in my senior year in high school, uh, people, kids who have ended up on the streets or selling their souls or, or just fell in a crack and, and weren't able to go on with their life. And we wanted to give them that second chance. We want to team them with community partners, and we want to put them through that schooling and, and tell them we love them and, and get behind them. And so to date we have taken um, – uh, 11 youth at risk off the streets uh, across North America and, and put them through post-secondary educations and also uh, team them with community partners if they had uh, any addictions or or wow. any other circumstances that uh, that we could assist in any way in Fred Mitchell's name. That's fantastic. And, you know, yeah. I just have to acknowledge you again for, for as an advocate for a socially conscious planet, you, you know, you spearhead it. And, and I just, I, I have to acknowledge that in you. Well done, really. Thank you. Well done. I'm humbled. Okay, by so that. you alluded to now. Now you've got thirty thousand dollars or thirty million dollars that you know you have mm-hmm. to come uh, come up with because the sharks are are um, circling. Your husband, yep. you know, isn't even in the ground, and you know, folks are like trying to take over your company that you guys have been working so hard, uh, you know, to get off the ground. And I have to say that Mitchell Mitchell's um, Gourmet Foods, mm. when that first came out, it was the only bacon I ever ate. Yeah, thank you. Well, you're a good, smart, <laughs> smart consumer. I yeah. tell you, it goes to our lab, and it goes to our lab, and it goes back to the lab if it ain't perfect, and our people are the best, so I thank you for that. Really good stuff. Okay, so now, um, you know, you, you, what I loved also about you was your faith in the people, your faith in, in the plant. I mean, my father ran a plant, and, and he was the same. Like, the people in the plant loved him. Even though, you know, he owned the company, it's it's – Good leadership, you know. It's, yeah. it's it's being honest because I think when people when when people work for you, um, fear comes from not knowing things, and so when you lay it all out for them, um, it can alleviate fear and and breed you know innovation. So well, we had I, a real simple philosophy. Uh, I had to go in, speak to our union. We had to renegotiate contracts. Notice people online jobs are getting something called t- carpal tunnel syndrome. It just made good business sense to uh, tackle those sorts of things. We started a peer support program. I took my three little kids into the company with me like little ducklings behind a mother duck, and I said to everyone, I don't have a nanny. Uh, My mom helped me a little bit, but she died six months after my husband died, and my father had passed away as well. And so I said to them, we're really one family. We we may be calling ourselves a corporate family, but we're bigger than that. And I basically had one rule, and I said to them, the one rule goes like this, you're human beings first and you work here second. And if that equation ever gets messed up, we're all going to lose. And so by doing that, we renegotiated contracts. Some of the uh, shareholders came in, they divvied up to the bar. Uh, some of our lenders who have pulled the stops, uh, they reversed their decision. And uh, and our other lenders, those that did not reverse decisions, uh, we, they came up to uh, to pay those debts down. And we had some shareholders that said, you in, we out, some foreign investors. And I said, okay, fine. And because some people, you know, they look better going than they did coming, and they sure. should go to where they belong to be. And uh, and then we just got to the business of being in business and making the best product and becoming a private labeler for specialty products. And uh, within the uh, first year, we were at $100.5 million in sales. Uh, yeah. The end of the second year, three hundred. Uh, and 50 million, and uh, by the end of two and a half years, 
uh, through different business venues and moves, we were at half a billion in sales. Unbelievable. And, uh, well done. Yeah, I, I knew I Thank you. I, I knew I'd met my corporate um, goal, which was to make that company so viable and so successful, make the best products in the world, and so that anyone would have to be a complete idiot to ever go in there and harm it, or the people that <laughs> the strong people in there, and uh, I met that goal. And then it was time for me to leave and to uh, to do what I'm called to do in this life, and uh, and that's what I'm doing now. You are involved with um, Napoleon Hill's group. Yes, um, I'm featured in their new book, which is the sequel to Think and Grow Rich. And it's called Three Feet from Gold. It's a fantastic new book. You're also a producer and, uh, and, and, and um, yep. featured expert in the Lost Message movie and the Gratitude Experiment. That's correct, yeah, yeah. And also um, the Oprah Center. That's right, and you can see that at the uh, the Lost Message uh, dash movie dot com and the Gratitude Experiment dot com. And also um, I have two new books coming out. One is titled uh, for the Year of the Tiger, it's called Tiger Diva, Ten Easy Ways to Stripe It Rich. It's all <laughs> I love it. Our stripes, yep. And the other one, again, Back in Black, Celebrating the Dark Side of Success. Because there's been ups and downs, and uh, and uh, I've had my own uh, trials and tribulations, but at the same time, there is that seed for good in absolutely everything, and we're so blessed when we recognize that. I know that you're a fantastic mother. I can tell that. And I love how, you know, you volunteer in the schools and you read to kids and you do all that. You, you alluded at the beginning of, or you did say, you didn't allude, you said that, that, um, you're, that you're single again. How were the kids handling that? Did they, were they Well, you know, my, my kids, um, like I say, my second marriage, um, you know, God bless him. Uh, he's, a, you know, his own person. And so am I, but it, but it wasn't um, a choice that I really, if I could turn the clock back, we hear this, mm-hmm. uh, Shelly, there's a seed for good in everything, but um, it wasn't like I was looking for Prince Charming or anything, mm-hmm. and I um, I learned a lot of things about myself and about you know my decision making, and, and I go back to those three elements that I teach and I have uh, investigated and reinvestigated, you know, sort of looking at myself, but kindly, and I've had to forgive myself for a few things. I, I've had to catch myself if I find that I'm beating myself up instead of building myself up, mm-hmm. and I, I'm really careful about that. So, so I'm single again, and I, I, you know, I, I took, you know, maybe this whole year, and I was just going through healing processes and and revamping my home because I'm an empty nester now and all that too. But then I, I just recently started dating again, and um, to date, you know, um, I've had you know two boyfriends. Like, what's that? Like, my daughter laughs at me. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's the wrong term for a woman, you know, my age. She says a boyfriend. I'm I like, know. That's what my my teenager has. But I mean, these guys have been, you know, really special, really wonderful. But I now I recognize in myself that there's there's a part of me that I have to love and I have to I have to really I'm I'm at a place in my life where there are a lot of changes. I mean, I projected to 2010 forever to be an empty nester this year. Mm-hmm. And that's a big change for me and I mm-hmm. I really need to to um you know, be really comfortable with myself after this shift post divorce and such. So yeah, I mean I I would be really really happy to to just report that no, I'm right back, you know, I'm happy and new, but but I'm I'm getting to know me a little bit now That's and I'm great. I'm going a little slower. Yeah. I want to I'm going to I I'd like to invite you onto the Love Wrangler show. Um oh, and, I love and that. we'll talk yeah, great cuz we talk about relationships and Kelly and I were both divorced twice and uh ah. you know, we help women Laughing in love, and, and we're, we're the noble relationship gals, and you're certainly one of those. Um, Yo, no you bet. You. <laughs> and you I love it. Bet. It's yeah, great. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great because I think you know we we there's a lot to talk about, and there's a lot you know we'll, we'll focus more on relationships and what we learn as women um, mm. through each of our relationships that we have. But it's it, it, I think it'd be a really great conversation. I, I agree with for that. that. Beautiful. Good. Thank you. I would love that. We've got a minute remaining, Luann. Um, boy, there's just so much that, that we could talk to you about because you are so involved. But go to www.luannmitchell.com, and you can, that's a good starting point for anybody who wants to find out more about you. And they can find all the programs and all the, man, like you just got so much going on. 
Yeah, another it's one incredible. that's great is um, Paper Doll, just the way paper it, it, it right. is. Yeah, paperdoll.biz. And uh, if you go to paperdoll.biz, um, you are going to find out. And by the way, people are texting me that are listening to your show. Okay. And, and I'm kind of loving that. They're, they're saying they, they, they really love it, and they've been very, very uh, helped through some of the things we shared, Frankie. So thank you for this well, thank opportunity. Thank you for that. That's great. I, I want to read great. a little poem that was at, because, you know, we're live right now, but this is we're 47 we seconds a minute. <laughs> I know it. Okay, so listen closely, because this was from Audrey Hepburn's funeral. I love that, yes. She says, for attractive lips, speak words of kindness. For lovely eyes, seek out the good in people. For a slim figure, share your food with the hungry. For beautiful hair, let a child run his or her fingers through it once a day. For poise, walk with the knowledge that you never walk alone. People, even more than things, have to be restored, renewed, revived, reclaimed, and redeemed. Never throw out anyone. Remember, if you ever need a helping hand, you will find one at the end of each of your own arms. As you grow older, you'll discover that you have two hands, one for helping yourself and the other for helping others. So that's good. So be it. Thank you so much, Luann Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you. We're out of time. But what an I, honor. I I just loved having you on as my guest and, and I the show continues to record so I'm gonna hang up so that we don't say anything inappropriate. But uh-huh. I do I will get back in touch with you. Okay, hon, I love you and I thank you. Have a good rest of the thank day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Okay, bye bye. <laughs> 